Welcome to the Bar Hacks Podcast. Engaging interviews, plus tips and strategies to navigate your bar or restaurant business towards sustainable success. Now, here's your host, hospitality industry veteran, journalist, and editor, David Klempt. Hey, welcome back to the Bar Hacks Podcast. I'm very excited about my guest today to say that they're both icons, legends, is an understatement. We have Ivy Mix and Lynette Marrero, the co-founders of Speed Rack. If you don't know who they are, I mean, Leanda, Llama Inn, Spirited Awards, you're both just crushing it. You've been crushing it for a long time. Welcome. Hi, thanks, thanks for having been, us. Absolutely. I'm honored to speak to both of you. This is awesome. <laughs> so before we jump in, how can people connect with the two of you? Yeah, so um, we're both pretty easy to connect with. First of all, Speed Rack is just at speed underscore rack. We're pretty much Instagram focused, um, although you could you can find us in other mediums. And then I'm uh, at Ivy Mix across everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at drinks at six. So you can find me there. And at the llamas, like you said. <laughs> Besides our website is www.speed-rack.com. Awesome. So let's jump into Speed Rack then. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and Speed Rack is heavily involved with raising awareness and supporting those who are impacted by breast cancer. So, how does Speed Rack play a role in breast cancer awareness? Well, this year we have quite a few things um, happening to support the cause. Um, without our events, which traditionally bring in over $100,000 just in the U.S. annually, it's been a bit harder with just two events that were much more intimate than before. Uh, we're working with a few different groups to raise more funds. So we're working with Shaker and Spoon, who is a cocktail delivery company here in the U.S., who are doing kits that actually are curated um, with cocktails created by Speedrack alum which is great. So you have, we have the women kind of putting those cocktail kits together, which are awesome. And then they get a bunch of fun swag for speed rack. Um, and those will be a big fundraiser for us this year. In addition, one of our partners and sponsors, Twisted Alchemy has put together a kind of a pink power, pink grapefruit cocktail kit as well that is being sold to support our charities. We support predominantly by making donations to very curated breast cancer charities. When we go to different countries, every country picks one in their community that is that it gives the most impact back. Uh, in the U.S., we have several that we've vetted where everything ranging from um, the Pink Agenda is a big one for us because they encapsulate the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Um, and we really love the researcher from there. Um, they're doing a lot of great work looking for a cure and also working with disparities in breast cancer, um, you know, amongst women uh, from different racial backgrounds, et cetera. So understanding that data more and then other groups, which do things such as making mammograms accessible, you know, there's a, a testing ban that kind of goes into underserved communities to give access to, to mammograms and things. And then other ones that we work with are more just kind of leaning into different ones, whether it's early detection and advocating for uh, younger women to have access. So it's a broad range. We like to really make sure that we're working with, you know, groups that are currently supporting women going through breast cancer, but also really focusing on trying to eradicate it. That's incredible. And how much have you raised to date? Just over 1250000 This is going to be a big question, and I'm going to apologize in advance because they're not going to be able to address everything. But how can operators in this industry take steps today 
that can help create a more inclusive and safer workplace for women? Yeah, so I think that, you know, there's, I mean, it's such a multi-pronged question. You know, being safe for women in the industry is one thing, but being safe, you know, for women in establishments is also another. Lynette and I recently got involved with a group called Safe Bars, and I'm now on their advisory board. They're mostly DC-based, but they're starting to expand. Um, And it's essentially how to make bars safe places for women to be in both as patrons and also just as, as employees and people who work, you know, and as a way to make money. I think that it is hard. Sometimes people feel like, oh, if I address the fact that there's inequities and biases, and sometimes that's just straight up unsafe in the workplace, that they're all of a sudden opening up Pandora's box. And it's like best to just like, everything's fine. We're great. You know, like it's, everything's going to be okay. And the fact of the matter is we do need to recognize that we need to make our spaces um, inclusive and both professionally so women can rise up the ranks of, of this industry and also, you know, just make them safe. Um, so the, I think looking up gr- groups like Green Dot are very good, groups like Safe Bars. We have resources available through Speed Rack of people we've worked for in the past, but you know, Speed Rack is a breast cancer charity, but we're very much about female empowerment and creating a platform for women in this male dominated industry. And it's something that we're just very much impassioned about, about making bars safe, number one, but also promoting and supportive. And I think mentorship obviously plays a a role as far as helping bring women up, helping bring other minority groups up. And you've both been awarded for your mentorship. You won the 2019 Spirited Award for Best Bar Mentors. So how can people become effective mentors, whether it's the owner, the operator, a bar manager, a bartender? How does one take a step towards mentorship? I think, you know, the, the, the big thing is, is being open and being willing to um, make yourself feel accessible. Because I think what happens is, I think, you know, younger bartenders feel intimidated and it's more people are more approachable than you would think. Um, so it's really trying to let, put it out there that you are accessible and that you, you have time and, and that people can approach you. Uh, you know, it, we kind of have set up, we started um, the Speed Rack Advisory Squad while we didn't have events, which the first version of it was a global mentorship program that we did uh, launched in Women's History Month last year in March 2021. It just kind of concluded its six-month chapter, but it was about giving a support network to the community. So finding leaders who were willing to share different parts of their expertise and really help, you know, I think a lot of people were going through, you know, some people didn't know what they wanted to do and where they were going. And that was okay. Uh, Some people did have some new goals and and things that they wanted to do and maybe pursue. And it was just having someone there who was willing to talk through things with you, not do it for you, but talk through ideas and concepts, you know? And so what we said for mentors, we kind of set up a best practices document that that was about things like being prepared for meetings, you know, everyone respecting each other's time, work on goals and questions and having the mentors kind of 
give a good framework and, and lead and, and ask questions that would help you know, the mentees start to find their path, but not completely just be prescriptive because that's not what mentorship mentorship isn't like, Hey, here, you're going to do these four things. And you're going to move on. It's really helping people find their voice, their mission, their way of, a t- of approaching things. Um, and so putting that together um, and having a social contract for them to work through uh, and, and talk through. And, and we had some really great successful stories, um, you know, Tess Pastumas in um, the Netherlands. Uh, she actually, we partnered her with a bartender from Germany who, you know, really was like, oh, I might want to move to the Netherlands at some point and, and work in Amsterdam. And we partnered them together. They actually became really good friends. And then Tess has now subsequently hired her in her bar. So, you know, she ended up moving out there and is working with her mentor, which is great. That's a huge success story. Lauren Mode, who we paired with a young woman in Russia, Alanya, who then was part of the team that spearheaded bringing Speed Rock to St. Petersburg Cocktail Week this past year. So, you know, there was just a lot of, uh, of really good communications. And there were some, some people who actually became friends and built these new relationships through it. And maybe their, their chat and their talks were not necessarily always about business. And they were just more about, you know, supporting each other, going through some really crazy life changes, especially in this climate. So I think that it's not, there's no one way to do it, but there is a lot of just trying to find ways of being open. Um, And we had different resources. And then we worked with Laura Green and Healthy Hospitality, who would then do a different seminars each month that would talk about different ways of growth in the workplace for, and the mentees would attend, mentors were invited as well, but they would talk about things like emotional intelligence, conflict resolution, and just all of these kind of skill sets to help you be successful in the future. So that program, we just actually launched with our team in Mexico. We just launched it for Latin speaking countries. Uh, so that way we could actually build, you know, broaden our community because we had just started doing speed racks uh, in Spanish language just prior to shutdown. Yeah. Um, so just kind of going off of that, you know, speed rack itself exists because of mentorship. And I think that like how speed rack started was I went to Lynette, who was an established bartender already. And I was kind of like, no one knew me from Adam. And I was like, I have this pea brand idea. I literally just have a name and I, I, I want to be for women and I want to raise money for breast cancer because I was inspired by some events that Lynette had done in the past. And Using Lynette's connections, because I had none, we made this competition um, together. So Speedrack, in its essence, is a result of a form of mentorship. And I think that like, the number one thing to realize mentorship is like a rising tide raises all boats. And it's very beneficial to help people and to help them rise up. Because if they rise up and they're on your team, that's really the best. <laughs> you know, That's the best way to go. Yeah, I'm actually a mentor in the in the Latin American, the Latam uh, mentorship program for with, with the, the advisory squad, and I have a, a fantastic mentee in Mexico, and it's been a really awesome process to try to like walk her through. But she 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 owns a bar down there, and like you know, the first step was logistics and like, oh, well, here's all these spreadsheets. If you, I hate Excel, but if you want them, I'll walk, I'll walk you through it, you know? And then she wants to start a Mezcal importing company. And I'm like, well, let's get on that. Like, I love that. So, and you know, I would like to be part of that company. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's, it behooves me to mentor her. And I think that's the great thing about speed rack in general and women. It's kind of like a women centric thing, right? <laughs> Hi there. Just a quick message before we get you back to this episode. 
If you're looking to take your bar, restaurant, or hospitality business to the next level, I mean to profits of 12 to 15% or more, it's time to take action. Let's start creating your roadmap to success with our proprietary strategies, tools, resources that will inspire your team, activate your potential, and lead your hospitality brand to margins you never thought possible. Visit krghospitality.com right after this episode for more information. Now, back to the Bar Hacks podcast. I do like the words you've been using, though, community and team and open-mindedness. And because of the words you're using, I wanted to ask about changing hospitality's culture. I mean, if we do have to draw from the community and support the communities, the bars and restaurants and hotels are in. So how can operators and their leadership teams start to improve working conditions, uh, attract new talent, and retain their current teams? Because we're down, I think it's a million jobs. And some of that is because people have had it with some of the conditions that they have to deal with in this industry. Yeah, I think that during COVID, a lot of people jumped ship from this industry. All of a sudden there was like a come to Jesus moment of like, wait, I don't have to be up until 5 a.m., five nights a week. And what am I going to do? And, you know, it's definitely like a shift for our industry, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. To diversify and to make our establishments different, you we can't just be cyclical and like within our own bubble. And it's important to go and look elsewhere to try to diversify your group. I always tell people like, if you want to find someone who's an excellent like worker, go to a fast food joint, like go to a Starbucks, because if you find someone at Starbucks hustling, you know, they're not making that much money. Right. And then you're like, okay, Hey, you hustle here. I know you can hustle for me. <laughs> you know? Like you just go somewhere else. Don't post on the same blogs, like try to join different people's Facebook groups. If you're on Facebook anymore and be like, Hey, this is a job. You may have never considered applying here, but there's a job available. You've opened incredible bars. You've got amazing bar programs. What tips do you have for newer operators who are either just starting out or they even haven't even opened their doors yet for opening a bar in 2021 or 2022? Man, I think it's a lot about changing your structures from the beginning don't feel pressured to have to go into models that already exist. You can build new models and you can think about new ways. I'm actually the co-chair of the education committee for Tales of the Cocktail. And this year, you know, it's funny when you see themes kind of come out and, you know, it always happens, right? Everyone writes in and they have seminar topics. You start identifying that everyone's thinking in a similar way. And what we did was we put some people together who were all thinking about this kind of topic. Like, what do you what does ownership look like? Um, can you start a place that's more profit sharing for staff? Can you find, build that in from the beginning? Can you build all of these new structures in that our people stay with you longer, that there's earned equity or things that could happen at the end of the day? Or could it be kind of like a co-op ownership? Can you make those things happen that change the structure and the dynamic and maybe grow your business in a different way? And that obviously will change by where you are. But I think there's something really great about that and for people to think differently about how they can start new businesses. Do you have any maybe real world examples of people who they are doing profit sharing or they are able to, to pay their workers more than uh, minimum wage and tips? 
Well, it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's very different. The U S has its own system and problems and things that stem from, you know, three tier systems and all of that stuff. But yeah, I mean, people have shifted their models. They've, they've just put those in early on. You know, if you're going to change your labor structure and your opening, I almost in a lot of ways, it's a lot easier for a new business to do that because you can build that in for your investors from the beginning of what their, you know, what their payback structure is going to look like, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Micah Amulet, he's out in think Norway. He actually also uh, had some really great ideas and he and Megan Dorman and Laura Louise Green did a great session about kind of, for them, it was more, how do you kind of take your current team? So it's like, far as already operating, how can you work with them and be more successful? And a lot of the stuff that he was doing is like finding different ways to utilize your staff and incentivize them, you know, if once someone on your team is really great at social media, that could be another revenue stream for them. And you can have them do that for your bar and you can work with them and compensate them. So there's just different ways of kind of working with career development and growth that I think can lead to success and profit for everybody. But, you know, I think it's hard, much harder to kind of reverse track once you're already in it, but it's, you know, I, I kind of am optimistic and happy for people who will be able to start and grow new places built on different models. Yeah. I think that, you know, everywhere is different too. Like every state has a different minimum wage. And like here in New York, we're not allowed to share tips between the front and the back of house. It's against the law. So there's, there's different ways that people are doing stuff. It's also something that I think that COVID could be a benefit of COVID, right? Like the, like it demolished our industry and you know, what, comes down, hopefully we'll come back up. It really made us have like a, like this, okay, we got to fix some of this stuff. And I I think Lynette's absolutely right. Like it's time to really change up the efficiency and the, and like the life of this industry, because like, it's not cool to work 80 hour weeks and not make any money. Like there's a certain amount of masochism in this industry. That's always been considered cool. And it's like, yo, know, I, I like to work hard to play hard. I love my free time. And I think that that's something that's we need to just implement more. Kind of going to a little bit more just tactile. I think that just for systems in bars, like just like literally beyond the payment and, and, and all that, which is very important. I think that going into this year and it's been into next year and something that I actually think is for the best is that during COVID, we all had to make different like ways of making drinks, like all of a sudden lots of batching was happening. Lots of like people were doing all this stuff. And like at Leyenda, we are busier than we've ever been. We're making drinks quicker than we ever have. And we have less staff on. Um, So people are making more money um, because of the efficiency and the ways that we've been making our drinks. Like we have so, we're so much batch heavy. And we originally did that to have less hands and less like touching, but <clears throat> it's totally revolutionized the way we make drinks. And I think that that we'll see that coming in the future and then allows us to have more attention and intent on our clientele and really going back to hospitality. So I think that that's hospitality is the antithesis of COVID as COVID goes away, we can really focus in on that. And I think that that's going to be really exciting to like serve and be served again. And that segues beautifully into my my last question, which is what spirits, cocktails, cocktail trends, I I hate the word trend, but uh, cocktail trends are you both excited about? I know Ivy, I mean, the legend has it that you smuggled (laughs) mezcal into the country at one point through your career. So I know you like mezcal, but what else do you do you both really love right now? It's, I mean, obviously I'm kind of like a one- 
one trick pony. Like I love Latin American spirits, but with, with how much tequila has grown in the last decade and then subsequently how much mezcal has grown, you're seeing a lot of other Latin American spirits come to the market, particularly Mexican spirits. There's like all this Mexican rum coming up and it's like, it's fantastic and really kind of fascinating. Pisco, I mean, Lynette obviously works at Llama in Peruvian, uh, Llama San, and I can't believe how much Pisco is coming to market. Like we just had the BCB, the Bar Convent Brooklyn uh, over the summer. Literally the Peruvian station was the most exciting place, I think, of the entire thing. And there's so much Pisco coming in. And I don't know, I've been, I've been saying this for years now though. I really want Pisco to be the trend of 2022. <laughs> Make it happen. It's delicious. It's so delicious. And it, I think that people should just be drinking more of it. And Lynette, do you have a, a favorite spirit or cocktail right now? Actually, this summer, I was able to relaunch my rooftop. So I think when you talk about thinking about trends, thinking about what changes were, you know, we kind of doubled down and dialed in a bit, one, because of the, you know, the nature of business and things, you know, coming back, we decided to kind of delve deeper into, you know, the cultural aspects of our restaurants and who we are and, and the ingredients that are there. So I, I worked with uh, Chef Eric. And we, you know, identified all the microclimates or not all of them, because there's a ton of them, but the three major microclimates of Peru, and then worked and dialed in cocktails based on those different areas and all the beautiful ingredients that come from that place. So it helped me rediscover flavor in different ways. And we definitely went a very much more progressive. So I definitely say we're like the cocktails in the main bar downstairs are, you know, meant for volume, lots on draft. Uh, it's a lot of, you know, pisco and tequila, pisco and whatever we like are mixing it always in there with ingredients that, you know, are built for volume. But upstairs, we took time and we took a moment to think a little bit further and develop more combinations and things that would bring you to a place that would help you travel there through, through this cocktails, through the, you know, the experience. And I think that was really important to kind of think of new ways of sharing, you know, these beautiful places and these wonderful, these wonderful, uh, you know, just, just things that people weren't thinking about at home, right. They weren't making, you know, these really crazy combinations of flavors. So I think when, when thinking about how the guests came back, it was about giving them something special um, and being able to share more of who we are. And so that, that for me, is kind of really great. I mean, between my concepts, it's, it's Pete's Gola time and it's lots of Japanese whiskey uh, and Japanese gins, you know, which I really love the Japanese gin market, like tasting through all the different ones. Um, there's so many different viewpoints um, and it's, it's a beautiful category to go through. Do you have a current favorite for the Japanese gins or one you'd recommend people starting out with to kind of get into that category? Well, Roku is a great baseline because it has, you know, different things like Yuzu and, it, and it's very um, user-friendly. Uh, the Nika gin is beautiful, uh, hard to get a hold of because there's everything at the moment from, from Japan, but uh, those, yeah, pretty much. I would say those two are really, are really, uh, really important and really good. So before we go, do you have anything to shamelessly plug? I, I think our audience knows about Ivy, your book. We promoted it right after your Spirited Award win for uh, okay, thank you. Spirits of Latin America. But is there anything else the either one of you would like to, to plug? No, just if you can uh, head over to our website, um, speed-rock.com. We do have a link to one of our charities. So if you have opportunity and, you know, and, and money to donate to our charities, um, you can go ahead and go there. 
um, or you can get involved in some of the, the fun stuff that we're doing uh, with the cocktail kits. And you can see, find all that information on our link tree on our Instagram. But, you know, you'll also start seeing uh, tonight actually is our launch of the Grand Cayman um, Speed Rock. It's their national finals today. Uh, watching their prelims was extremely exciting. They are incredible. Uh, and it's been really great to kind of see it's, it's a speed rock growing and we're not there because of the crazy uh, restrictions at the moment that we're supposed to be lifted. But the team there is doing an incredible job and that should be streaming tonight. So we're really excited to see that. Yeah, awesome. I think that, you know, I'll take the opportunity to shamelessly plug. <laughs> um, I opened up a um, wine and bottle shop uh, in April called Fiasco. And um, it's uh, my little baby going into the retail side of things. It's in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. We ship. Uh, so yeah, hit us up if you are interested in, a, you know, a wine and spirit selection that's been selected by bartenders. Uh, that's the place to look. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're both very busy. You've got a, a speed rack today and you're just busy in general. So I, I really appreciate taking the time to come on. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Bar Hacks podcast produced by KRG Hospitality and hosted by me, David Clem. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Follow us on Twitter at Ask Bar Hacks and Instagram at Bar Hacks. Talk to you soon.